they try to figure this thing out. And because they try to figure this thing out, uh, we need to be about being an example to them. Because all of the things that we do uh, that we would not like our children to do, we might want to stop doing them because they're going to be, they're going to learn them. They're little sponges. Isn't that wonderful to have little sponges running around your house? <laughs> and uh, uh, what they will do will be a help to us. Because if our love for them is greater than our love for ourselves, then we'll both be saved. Amen? We praise the Lord this morning. I, we're probably going to need a battery change in this particular microphone. It's giving me that signal now. <laughs> but we want to thank God for his permission to be in the throne room today. Yes. We ask that you all would continue to understand that this is how the Lord wants it to be. He wants us to sit and listen to what he has to say. And so we want to welcome those who are joining us via the live stream and uh, also those who are joining us on the conference line. We welcome, want to say welcome and happy At this time, we would love to have you all join us in a word of prayer so we can ask the Spirit to lead and guide us in his truth. <laughs> Heavenly Father, once again, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much, Lord, for blessing us with your presence today. We ask that your Spirit would be our teacher, our guide, Lord, because we trust no man. We only trust you. So, Father, bless us, Lord, to that end. Lord, be with those all over the world who are honoring you as the only true and living God. We ask that you would grant them their petition, Lord, as they approach the throne of mercy and grace, that you would be there for them. Lord, give your ministers, Father, the spirit from on high, so they may speak with authority, that they people may hear and obey. And, Father, that you would bless those under persecution for your name's sake. Father, we ask that you give them strength to endure. And in the name of Jesus, we do ask all things. Amen. Amen again, Elijah. <laughs> it's a big name you got. It's a big name you got, man. I expect, I'll be with you when you have to deal with them prophets of Baal. <laughs> we thank the Lord today. What we're going to look at, the Lord entitled this thing, Will You Change? Will You Change? Now, they said, you know, we, we talked last time about this, there's a spirit of change in this land. And we won't get into really what it is, but there is a spirit of change, and we're going to leave it at that. And change is often a good thing. Amen? And see, people are crying out to change a system, to change a system of government, or to change uh, the method of uh, uh, policing, uh, 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 to change in leadership. There's a change. People crying out, change, change, change. And underneath the cries of the masses that we're hearing, the, 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 and also the narrative of the media that's being be placed out there, there's a still, small voice speaking. You can't hear it unless you're listening. Because all you can hear are the, the protest marches. All you can hear is the, the, the media and its news, we'll call it that. But there's a still, small voice speaking. See, this voice has been crying in the wilderness a very long time. It's a voice that's been advocating for change for a very long time. And, 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 and the people that have an ear to hear, they will be able to make a change. And if they make a change, then there'll be a change in the world. But only those who will hear the still, small voice will be able to make this change. See, we think that this 2020 was when everything started. You know, we act like that. That, that oh, the, the brutality is it it just recent. Or, or the government and how they function is just recent. No, God has been calling for a change from his people for thousands of years. The reason why he wanted an Israel is to make a change. The reason why he called David was to make a change. The reason he called Samuel was for a change to be made. It's just nothing new, but this is the change that we have to make in order to make a change in this world. We can't change things by using the same methods that they gave us to use to change them. Does that make sense? Yes. 
And we can't change things by using the education system that they gave us to, in order to make a change to change them. There is nothing we can use that they gave us in order to make an effective change. We have to make the change through the power and the might of a God. Amen? Turn to Luke chapter 3 if you would. There was time for a change and John the Baptist was used for that change. John the Baptist was called, was born to announce a change, to be the change. And the question, of course, this morning is, will you change? And so this is nothing new. The, the cry for change has been consistent for thousands of years. It's just only a very few have made the choice to change. Will you make the change is the question. Now, we're in Luke chapter 3. And, 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 and brother was, was reciting. <laughs> and in Luke chapter 3 and verse 4, it says, As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Amen? Make his path straight. I have yet to hear that in the, pro in the protest. Even from those who call themselves ministers. I have yet to hear somebody make, what do you want to make a change that will make the change? See, uh, we talked about last week, this is not people you're fighting. This is a spirit. And we're trying to change a spirit with a flesh, and that will never work. But somebody has to be changed by a spirit to make a change through the spirit. Amen? See, our God is speaking into the ears of his children that it's time to make this change. You know, just as he impressed upon all of us that to, to in, 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 the, in the midst of the lockdown, that we were supposed to reset. Remember that, those conversations we had through in these th three months, that it was time to reset and not regress? It was time to, 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 to get back to what, we, what is real and what we're supposed to be about. And, and many of us did. Amen? But now it's time to make a change. He's instructing us to change from a casual devotion to a God to a serious, more dedicated relationship with him. But as, is, as in any real change, it will require a sacrifice. It will require a sacrifice. Amen. If you don't want to make a sacrifice, you don't want to change. And, and what's amazing about this is God whispers in our ear about what changes are going to be made to us and through us. We need to say, yes, Lord, as opposed to, Lord, do I have to? Or, Lord, that's going to be a little difficult. Or, Lord, can I have my cake and eat it too? And God says, no, you can't. Because the cake you're eating is sin. The cake you're eating is destroying you. The cake you are eating is contributing to the thing that you're trying to fight against. Go to Mark, if you would. Go to Mark chapter 10. See, God always gives us these opportunities to change. And, and, and uh, we were studying, I believe, this morning uh, how to, when you think you're there, Check yourself. When you think you, you're, you're at the overcome stage and you, everything is going right because you did something right, <laughs> that you might have done three things right, <laughs> that you, you, you know, three out of the thousand things you did that day were right, so then all of a sudden you call yourself holy. He said, but God will give you a chance to change. And because God loves you, he gives you those opportunities to recognize if there is need for a change, and then he'll give you the strength to change. But oftentimes, when he gives us these opportunities, we fail the test. Mark chapter 10. Because with any real change, it requires a sacrifice. Mark chapter 10, we'll begin at verse 17. Mark chapter 10, and we'll begin at verse 17. And he, when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now, he was asking for a good thing. He wanted to do what? Inherit eternal life. He had heard that that's a good idea. He had been taught all his life that this is what we need to be striving for. And he, to the average eye, this was a pretty good dude. Because let let's keep reading. Verse 18 says, And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. 
Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not, do not kill. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and thy mother. He was leaning. Christ brought him back to the law. Right? He brought him back to the second half of the Ten Commandments. So when you look at the Ten Commandments, you'll notice something about it. The first half is about a relationship with you and God, and the second half is what? The relationship between you and your fellow man. See, when we do, when, when, when you got to look at stuff a little deeper than most folks teach you to look at. But, but he, he, Christ described it. He said, yeah, uh, remember those things that you learned when you were a little boy? He said, those are the, the, it's the way to eternal life. Now, let's keep reading. Verse 20 said, and he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. He was feeling pretty good. I didn't, make it, I didn't need to make a change. I, was, I asked the question. I got the answer. That means I'm good and I'm getting eternal life. He said, all these things I have done since my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, did something that most people skip over in this scripture. He loved him. He loved him. Now, see what love did. Okay, because I want you to understand that sometimes love hurts. Sometimes love checks you. Sometimes love gets you into a, tries to get you in a position to change. Because Jesus loved him, he kept talking. He kept telling him something. He said, and, and he answered, I mean, verse 21 says, Beholding, Then Jesus beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way. Sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up thy cross, and follow me. Now look at this. There were two things he asked him to do. He said, O rich fellow, get rid of all your riches. Because Christ loved him, he knew that's where his heart was. And he could not uh, uh, receive eternal life with his heart on riches. People say, well, Christ wants you to be poor. That's not what he said. His heart was in riches. And where your heart is, where your treasures are, I'm saying where your heart will be. If your heart is set on riches, your heart is not set on Christ. And so he said, look, man, I love you. I'm not going to leave you out there. I'm not going to preach prosperity to you. I'm not going to preach comfort to you. I'm going to tell you how it is. And how it is is this. You need to sell all you have and give to the poor. That's one thing. Amen. That was hard enough, wasn't it? See, he said, you need to change. Your whole structure of living needs to change. That's all he was telling him about. He said, there's a change that is needed. Then he said, take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross, of course, we know is a symbol. He didn't mean go buy some wood. You know, some people do that. Every Easter, they go buy wood and they walk down the street. They go carry a, 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 a symbol of Tammuz, <laughs> of Roman torture around with them and say, I'm carrying the cross of Christ. When you see somebody, just tell them to come here. Stop that. Um, he says, you have an obligation now. Make the change and follow me. That's all he wanted. Make this change and follow me. See, because when we follow Christ, it's a whole different walk than when we follow ourselves. Amen? And let's see what happened. This was the opportunity. This was the great opportunity that he could make a change and, he, and, and, and began a more positive, devoted way to eternal life. Let's see what happens. Verse 22, and he was sad. That sounds unusual because he asked the question, how, do I, how can I receive everything that there is for man to receive with, with my God called eternal life? How can I receive the gift of eternal life from my God? How can I live forever with God? How can, can I be with God and commune with him every day and for all eternity? He asked that question, but then he said. A change needs to be made, and Christ saw that. Do we do that? Lord, I, I want to walk with you only because you think he's going to bless you. And you have decided what a blessing is. See, sometimes the storm is the blessing. But we never ask for the storm. Because we've already decided what the blessing is. Right? Lord, I want to walk with you. I need a car. Lord, Lord, I, I want you to be my God because my wife has lost her mind. 
Lord, I need you to help me because my children have run amok. Lord, bless me. God says, do you want me or do you want what you think you want? Because if you have faith enough in God, don't you think God does all of those things? But this man was sad at that saying and, and went away grieved for he had great possessions. Why? Because he has not fulfilled the commandments. He had another God before God. And that's all Christ was. He said, look, you got to change because you have another God before me. He wasn't mean to him. But this guy was sad. I've seen conversations, I've had conversations like this, and people go away thinking, Pastor Shaw, you are so mean. You just, you, you don't encourage me. I'm not going to encourage you to burn in hell. How about that? I don't think I can make it any plainer than that. What we need is a change. And if the word of God comes to you and it irritates you, you should say hallelujah. Because there's something in me that needs to change. When the devil speaks and nothing happens, or the devil speaks and you're in agreement, hmm, there ought to be a change. Something ought to go off in your head. Oh, I think I need, something needs to happen. I love it when God comes to me and says, I need you to do that. And it bothers me. Because you know what I asked him that morning? Expose Satan in me. And so when he says, okay, I need you to do that. And it starts to... Make you, you know, you say, Lord, thank you. Give me strength. I don't sit there and discuss it with him. Why, who am I to discuss anything with the living God? I'm just happy he's actually having a conversation with me. See, there's an opportunity to change. And the man failed. Because he had a token relationship with God. God wanted him to change to have a loyal and dedicated relationship with him. He wanted eternal life. He wanted something good, didn't he? He wanted to be with the Lord, but he didn't want to have to give it up. He didn't want to give up anything. He didn't want to be challenged. He didn't want, enough, he didn't want it enough to give up what he had. Sometime, some point in your life, you're going to say, I want this more than I want anything. And until you get to that point, you're not going to get it. You all right with that? Until you want it more than you want anything else, you're not going to have the relationship God wants to have with you. Amen? He was not willing to give up himself. And that's our problem. And what's interesting about that is we go to God because we know we need him. So obviously, whatever we are is not sufficient. So when you go to him and he says, okay, I will remake you. Uh, I don't know about, you know, I don't want to go through that. You know, you know, I, I, you know, can we just, you know, take an aspirin or something? Can we just like, well, you know, just act like, tell me one thing I can do that's real easy. Oh, you want me to change shoes? Okay, I can do that. But we don't want to make the sacrifice that's necessary. Remember, there is no change without sacrifice. And that's a good thing. We have to be able to get rid of us and take on Christ. Amen? Amen. Go to Luke chapter 3. Because when John the Baptist, the agent of change for God, was speaking, the people came to him and said, okay, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? People were interested. Some people in the crowd really wanted to change. They just didn't know what to do. And so John started breaking it down to them. And by the grace of God, he said this in Luke chapter 3, and we begin at verse 10. And the people asked him, saying, what shall we do then? They sing, okay, hold on. Because his message was repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said, okay. People said, okay, what we need to do? Because we've been a thousand years without a Christ. We've been a thousand years without a prophet. We've been so long with this nutty church who's telling us these nutty things and not doing anything that they're telling us to do. Something's got to give. There's something new with this agent of change, man, called John. John, what shall we do? Verse 11, he answered and saith unto them, He that have two coats, let him impart to him that have none. And he that hath meat or food, let him do likewise. Now, that was a curveball to the people in the church. They, were, they wanted to do something miraculous. 
oh, you must stand before the people and yell his name 13 times. And, you know, all those, you know, those, those, those outward things. He said, I want you to do this. Love that person. You have, give. People are like, what? That's it? And that's sad that he had to tell them that. And he has to tell us that today. Stop trying to do some miraculous thing for God. Just do this. You got two coats? Get one. Now don't, don't sit there and go to your closet and count your coats. It's about sharing and loving and giving. Okay? He said, you got some food? Feed somebody. I don't know about you, but there was a time that was, we came real close to that. And somebody would feed us. Somebody would give us coats. We had hand-me-downs. You know, hand-me-downs, people say, well, get hand-me-downs when you grow up. We had hand-me-downs when we were 30. Why? Because it took a sacrifice to make this change. We didn't get to go to the Macy's and the, I don't know, back then, what was it? Goldsmith or Needless Markup. I mean, Neiman <laughs> Marcus, I'm sorry. Uh, and all, it took a sacrifice. And it was worth every inch of it. Because God says, if you sacrifice me, I'll overwhelmingly bless you. But you've got to be willing to sacrifice. And so we did. As a, as, a, as a couple, as a family, there was a sacrifice made. And we would give when we almost didn't have. And I, we live by that principle today. If you always give, you always will have. Yes. Always. And you'll have more abundantly. Amen? Amen? But he said, I need you to do that. Then the publicans came, the tax collectors. They came also... Uh, also the publicans to be baptized and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than which is appointed you. Stop robbing the folks in your taxes. Because back then, you know, what are you going to, you argue with them? You don't have a computer printout of what your taxes ought to be. <laughs> you, know, you go down there with your little shekels and, and, and uh, well, no, it's not 14 shekels, it's 16 shekels. He said, don't do that anymore. Stop stealing from the people. Amen? And, and, and verse and then 14 came. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man. Now, the do violence here in the Greek means don't shake the folks down. Anybody know what shake the folks down means? No, not, 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 not physically. I mean, shake them down. I mean, you, you run up on them and you, 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 you search their car and, then, and take some money from them. Yeah. See, they were dealing with that back then. John was dealing with policing back then. Amen? He said, don't do that. Neither because accuse anybody falsely. Stop lying on the police report. And be content with your wages. See, John was dealing with police brutality, even back then. It's a spirit. If you look down the history of mankind, that spirit has gone nowhere. It just keeps moving forward. That's why you can't defeat it with what they told you. They, they, they trained you for use the tools that will never defeat them. It might look like you got some activity, but there's no productivity. Does that make sense? There's no actual change. John came in and started changing things. John was so hard, they killed him. And you know why he got killed? That's what we talked about this morning. Some king, some, not that king, I don't know who he was, a governor. His lust took over, and he lost his mind. He had been partying on his birthday. You ever partied on your birthday? <laughs> who would get quiet in here? I'm sorry. All you saints. Um, your birthday comes. And nowadays, Sister Jerry, they start announcing it like a month before. I've seen posts on Facebook, oh, it's my birthday month. You just took the whole month. Then it got to be my birthday week, okay? Don't let your birthday be on the weekend. It's over then. Oh, my birthday weekend. You don't do anything intelligent on that weekend. You sit back 
and you make sure everybody knows it's your birthday, and you try to guilt people into giving you stuff so you can have a good birthday. Is that true? <laughs> My father used to tell me, you know, your birthday really hurt your mother. <laughs> He's a hard dude. Uh, and that's when I was five. <laughs> when I was like, who going to get a cake? You didn't do nothing to get here. <laughs> and you caused pain and agony to get here. But that stuck with me. I said, that's true. So what we did when our children were growing up, every time I had a birthday, I'd give gifts to them. Because they made my, my life better. But when this guy was on his birthday now, he, 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 he went and got to the best of the brown. He got the best of the, of the, the alcohol and the inebriants and the whatever, they, whatever the drug of the day was. He was so out of his mind, he said, I'm going to give this little girl half the kingdom if I could, you know. And what did she do? Satan got in her, talked to the, to the old lady. The lady said, give me the head of John the Baptist. That's how tough John the Baptist was. They were looking to kill him from when he started standing here telling people there needs to be a change. And he affected change, didn't he? Many people were baptized. And his biggest thing he did was announce the Messiah. And the Messiah was the change. Amen? So when you, this is the kind of the commitment you got to have when you're talking about making a change for God. Anybody can, can, can boycott. But if you want to make a change, be ready. Because you're not making a change against a system, you're making a change against the origin of the system. You're trying to put a dent in the kingdom of Satan. We all right? See, a change can't occur unless there's a willingness to sacrifice. A willingness to give up the practices that caused you to be in the same position you are in today. Go to Philippians 3. Paul had the right mindset. See, this is what we got to have. We're gonna have be, if we're going to be changed, if we're going to change, you got to have the mindset of Paul. See, Paul had put things in their proper perspective. That's why he didn't mind changing. Our problem is we want to hold on to it. Hold on to the things that cause you to cry out to God in the first place. Now, how much sense does that make? Okay, all right. Philippians 3. Let's go to Philippians 3. Paul had the right mindset. Philippians 3, and we'll start at verse 7. The question this morning is, will you change? And in verse 7 of Philippians 3, it says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. He said, man, I was set. <laughs> I was set. I had this. I had that. I was next in line. I'm the baddest. I mean, he was set to be the head of the church. I mean, he was the man. He was a, he was a Jew of the Jew. He could trace his roots back to Abraham. He said, but all that gain, I counted what? Loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things. I do count them but what? Dumb that I may win Christ. He said, all the glory and all the honor and all the riches, I, I count it as dung. Y'all know what dung is, right? Amen. He said, all of the world's advantages, all of the world's riches, all of the society's clubs and all the things, it is nothing but manure. I count it that way so I can go after the excellency of Christ. That's the perspective we got to have. Amen? See, Paul's perspective on what he had to give up made it easier for him to give it up. But, but he believed that what he was leaving behind was inferior to what he was going after. Okay? And, and, and his new relationship is what he was going after. A new relationship with Christ. He believed that the change was worth it. Whatever the change had to be was worth it. I'm leaving all of that because that's nowhere near what I'm about to go, go get. I'm about to have a relationship, a loyal relationship with the creator of the universe. How in the world would I think this dung is worth anything? But look at us. We waddle in the dung. We hold on to it. We package it. 
Make sure I don't got to have that dung. <laughs> we don't do that. We must come to the conclusion that what God is trying to change us into is better than what we are. We must believe that. Because if we don't, we won't make the change. See, uh, we, we gotta be, it's going to be better than what we have, and we will continue to benefit from the change in the future. We got to believe that. If we don't believe that, we're not going to change. Amen? Amen? And the only way to become this new creature is through the willingness to change. Go to Romans. We know this scripture, Romans 12. You must be willing to change. And don't try to map out the change. How are you going to map out something you've never been to? Amen. Think about that. You said, well, I want to be with, I'm going to map, this is how I'm going to meet Christ. You don't even know where he is. That's like if I told you, I said, uh, Brother Nice, uh, I want you to go to Coffee, Coffeeville, Mississippi. Bye. Would you know how to get there? No GPS, no maps. No. Okay, how about this? Maybe you went through Coffeeville. Okay. Have you been to uh, Butte, Montana? If I said, Brother Nice, go, go to Butte, Montana. See you later. No map, no GPS. He would never get to Butte, Montana, would he? So when Christ says, I'm going to make you like me, you've never been there before. Stop trying to map out your road to him. Let him map it out. Amen? Sitting there trying to figure out, well, I, I know how to get to Christ. You don't even know who he is. I've heard him since I was, just like that. he said, you, I've done these things since I was young. He said, yeah, you heard my name, but you don't know me. You've been taught by those who are in charge of deceiving you. And so let me teach you. Let me map this out. But we don't want to do that. Romans chapter 12 says this must be, a, there must be a willingness and the brother said here, Romans 12, 1, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. I want you to be holy, because it's acceptable unto God, and it is your reasonable service. Then he said, goes on and says, be not conformed to this world. Okay? Oh, I like the world. You can't be conformed to this world and serve God. Be not conformed to this world, but be what? transform by a renewing of your whole process that ye may prove what is that good and that what acceptable and perfect will of God he said you saying you want this acceptable you want this willing you want this mind you want this connection you want this loyal devotion to me but guess what I got to renew this and you got to let that go and I'm the one that can teach you how to do it but you got to be willing to let it go we can't let the fear of the process keep us from the transformation. I'm going to say that again. We can't let the fear of the process keep us from the transformation. Does that make sense? There's a transformation, and that's a big word for change, okay? Don't let the fear of the process keep you from changing. Lord, it's going to be hard, and I'm the God of that. It's going to take a while. He said, we got time. I'm an eternal God. I'm going to lose friends. Hey, I got a, I got a numerable company of angels you can hang out with. My mama's not going to understand. He said, yeah, but there's a whole lot of women that will. My father will put me out. He said, your father is God. So all, you know, all the little excuses, you know, we, yeah. But I like cheeseburgers. He said, yeah, but I'm going to give you the bread of life. But I like, I, like, I, I, I like Budweiser. He said, I'm the fountain of living water, man. What are you talking about? Do you see? There's a change that's going to take place. And we're going to rejoice in the change, and we should rejoice in the process. Because the transformation will be glorious. 
Genesis 19. We can't let our longing for sin keep us from deliverance. We can't let our longing to stay in this world keep us from the power of God. I don't know how many times we've talked about this, but there is a power that God wants to give you to overcome all the darkness, not just for you. He wants you to be an agent of change. I so badly want to go down to these, <laughs> these uh, boycotts and walks and just give me the mic for five minutes. They either shoot me or they'll stand and applaud. They'll probably shoot me. <laughs> because this is the way to do it. Go down with the power of God. And see, that's, you, don't, you, don't, you don't know that if you don't know that. You can walk in a room full of those who hate you and everything begins to change. Because there's a power in you that overwhelms hate. You can stand in the midst of people who have been designed for generations to hate you. Isn't that right, Tony? You can walk up on people who, who, who <laughs> we had this experience, that will tell you the history of slavery and somehow try to make it your fault. And by the end of the day, they're tilling your ground. You're going to tell me there's not a power in God. That's not what I read. That was Thursday. Okay, is that all right? Oh, Pastor, I ain't never heard. Well, I keep hanging around. <laughs> Tony, did it happen? Yeah, I'll get it one day. But I'm trying to encourage you. Let the change happen. So the power can flow through you. So God's kingdom can be established on this earth. That we can be the agent of change to change the darkness that's around us. And not just us, it's for everybody else. Somebody's got to stand. Somebody's got to be willing. Somebody's got to be John the Baptist and say, yes, Lord, whatever you require me. Yeah, I know Paul. Paul went through a lot. But Paul said, I count everything else as done because for the excellency of Christ. Are you after the excellency of Christ? Or you like to be a dung liver? Genesis 19. We can't look back, y'all. We can't let our longing for the comfort of sin keep us from deliverance. Lot was, was being delivered from Sodom. Even though it was rough, they had to drag him out. And Lot was a good man, wasn't he? He was Abraham's nephew. Oh, ain't that beautiful? See, don't you know you need somebody in your family that's an Abraham. Because Abraham can pray and make things happen for you. Oh, but I know God myself. I don't need nobody. I, I talk to God all the time, me and God. You better get you an Abraham. I pray. Yeah, you do, but you need to hook up with somebody who has a, has a track record of praying. I know y'all don't want to hear that. You were here because somebody prayed for you that had a track record of praying. They had a connection with God. Why aren't you in prison? Somebody prayed for you. Why aren't you in the grave? Somebody prayed for you. Somebody's praying for you right now in all your foolishness. Okay, I, me. Okay, I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. I'm here because somebody prayed for me. And somebody is praying for me. Find you an Abraham, y'all. Abraham, it was because of Abraham Lot got a chance to escape. And Abraham wouldn't let it go, would he? Christ came with, his, with a couple of his boys. I'm sorry, a couple of his, his ministers. And said, do I, can I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? That's, you know, you're my friend, Abraham. I, I, I got to tell you. I'm about to blow this thing up. Because I've tried and I have tried and I've sent my prophets, I have sent my angels, I have sent everything I can send to this city to let them make a change, but they didn't want to make a change. Now it's reached up to heaven and we got to take care of this. And, what it, and Abraham didn't say, yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. It ain't evil. See ya. I'll get me a spot and watch them burn. 
he thought of somebody down there. See, that's why you need an Abraham. Somebody who thinks about you more than they think about themselves. And so Abraham started doing what? Lord, if, nah, <laughs> peradventure, uh, <laughs> is it 50 people? Will you save the city for 50? Christ said, yeah, we'll save it for 50. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not, and he wasn't b trying to jive, um, that's an old word. He wasn't trying to manipulate God. He was pleading for the, yeah. for the people there. Yeah. And he got down to 10 of a city with about eight, 900,000 folk. He got down to 10. He said, if there's 10 righteous, he said, if there's 10 righteous, I'll save it. He went down and found a half. But here we are. He said in verse 24 of 19th chapter of Genesis. Something happened. See, we can't let the comfort of sin keep us from this transformation. Abraham prayed and Lot was here being delivered because of the prayers of Abraham. And verse 24 said, And then the Lord raised, rained upon Sodom, upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. <laughs> and he overthrew those cities and all the plain, and all the inhabitants of the cities, and that which grew upon the ground. So, in other words, everything around this was burned up. But something happened. One of the people who were being physically delivered from the city didn't want to be spiritually delivered from it. Verse 26, but his wife, this is Lot's wife, Look back from behind him. And what happened to her? She became a pillar of salt. Why? She longed for Sodom. See, God can physically move you out of some place that you are spiritually still there. Ask the children of Israel. He physically removed them from Egypt, yet they were yet Egyptian. The transformation is a complete one. A change is a complete one. It's just not a physical one. You just didn't start eating right. You didn't start dressing right. You started worshiping right. Lot's wife didn't want that. She reached back and she looked back longing. Her spirit was crying for it. She didn't want to be delivered. She was, she was a wife of somebody who God delivered. She got stuck with being delivered. Ooh, what an awful thing. When we allow the Lord to begin the process of changing us into this new creation, you know what? There'll be things in our lives that will pull at us, just like Lot's wife. There was something in her soul that was connected to Sodom, and it was pulling at her, cost of her life. He said, that will be, that these things will try to keep you in the prison that you have been in all your life. Amen? See, those things like our old habits, they'll start calling you. <laughs> Back in the 80s, I, I was talking to this crackhead. Uh, I guess they still have crackheads now. I don't know. Uh, and, and he literally told me, this is the first time I heard this, is back in 86, 87. He said, yes, but it's calling me. And it, you know, it registered with me because I know that's a demonic presence that's calling him. It's literally, he said, man, but it's calling me. I can't help it. So when you try to make this change, when the transformation begins, there's going to be things in your life that will be calling you. The old habits. See, our old mindset will try to come back and hinder the process. Because the devil says, ho, 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 you, you lead, you're getting the victory. You, you, you're about to be set free, ho, ho. And he'll call in the brigade. Let him, let him remember this, remember this, and, and, and all the good feelings he had with this. They, he'll, they'll start throwing everything at you. That's why you need a God. He'll try to keep you in the prison that you've been in all your life. But you will discover how addicted you are to some things once you start the transformation process. Don't be mad at yourself. Okay? Don't get upset because you can't shake it. You didn't know what it was. You all, like we always talk about in ministry. All you saw was the branch. You didn't see the root. Amen. 
So the transformation process of a God says, I'm getting the root. Remember John the Baptist says, I'm going to put the ax at the root of the tree. Anybody can cut the branch off. We so busy managing branches, we don't know what the origin is. And so it takes a little longer, and you get mad when you fail. Lord, that branch is still there. He said, because the root is still there. He said, would you let me do this? <laughs> and when he does it, it's a beautiful transformation. It's so you, that the things of the, of the past don't bother you no more. We always try to teach you that temptation, uh, the trial is only as strong as your desire to keep doing it. When that desire is taken from you, pff, give me that trial. Come on in here and put 18 kilos of cocaine right here. What are we going to do? Make a snowman? Because it's not a temptation. It doesn't bother us. All right? It doesn't bother me. All right? Stop assuming people's lives. And when God takes it, it's gone. Didn't say it wouldn't try to come back. But just can't come. Ain't nowhere to, ain't nowhere to, it's nowhere to sit. <laughs> See, the chair that was that habit has been taken away, and it has another chair in the place called the Holy Ghost. So when it tries to find its place, there's nowhere to sit anymore. To me, I, I, it, it was cheese. Cheese. Cheese is rough. You know why? Because all of my fondest memories were the cheese. When I found out cheese was not fit for human consumption, that was a trial. Because I had to make a decision. I said, Lord, do I want what you want or do I want what I want? I said, Lord, if this is you, take it from me. And guess what? It didn't happen on a day. One day, oh, I'm free of cheese. No. He said, go to the root, homie. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go to the root. Let's go to the root. And guess what? Other stuff started popping up. And I said, oh, I hear you, Lord. Thank you. And you know what? He's still working on the root. And that's been 20 years. The branch gone. That branch is gone, never to grow again. But there's some more root to be dealt with. And I, I love it now. What, you know, you get up in the morning, what we going to get rid of today? <laughs> Y'all never had any mornings. Lord, <laughs> what you going to get rid of today? I'm ready. And it happens even in, 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 my, in our, I don't know what time it is, in our house. I'll get up in the morning with something on my mind to eat for breakfast. Hmm. All of it, I mean, come on, I mean, none of it's bad. All of us is lawful, okay? And I'll get up, and I'm, you know, get off the prayer line, do my, you know, talk to people, get texted, and I'm going in the kitchen, and my wife said, you know what we ought to have for breakfast? And you know what God has done for me? The most arrogant, the most chauvinistic, the most pushing, dominant man that I know, he has taken that from me, and I say, what, babe, what are we going to have today? And it'll be something totally opposite of what I had a desire for. But it'd be exactly what I need. And when you're willing to accept what you need from the hand of God, things become beautiful in your life. And then always, after I eat it, thanks, babe. That was good. Thank you. It was, it's, would you all just live that life? It is a good life. It's a good life. Amen. See, these old habits got to go. These old addictions got to go. These old practices got to go. See, there's even, when you try to make this transformation, there are going to be some people that got to go. Go to Nehemiah. There'll be people who will try to discredit the moves you're trying to make. You're trying to, you know, you're trying to get to a certain point with God, or you try, even if it's just in the physical. You're trying to get to a certain point in your, in your diet. You know, you're trying to, you know, make an adjustment a little bit. Oh, folks will be coming at you like you said, I'm going to eat arsenic for breakfast. 
People come at you like, oh, you eating rat poison. People gonna come at you like you, oh, you about to kill your children. They're gonna, this is how they come. Keep moving. Keep moving. And Nehemiah gave us a wonderful example how to handle haters. Amen? Let's go to Nehemiah, if we would, chapter 2. Because you're going to experience this. Don't hate the person. Just know what's happening. The spirit is trying to pull you back in, and the person speaking to you just happens to be an agent of that spirit at that moment. They ain't always evil. <laughs> but just like us, how many times have we been agents for the devil? And we don't want, to, we don't want anybody to counsel us, do we? Oh, you did that back in 75. You evil forever. <laughs> thank God he got, thank God God doesn't think like that. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 10. And let's look at what's happening. And, no, chapter 2, I'm sorry. Nehemiah chapter 2. And we'll go to start at verse 10. It says, When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant the Ammonite heard of it, because he was about, he was, see, Nehemiah had been given instructions by God to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. That's a good work. He said, make a change. I want you to change the way things are. And it, he picked Nehemiah because his heart ached for, for Jerusalem. He was the king's cupbearer. It's a pretty good job. And he was, it was so, he was so close to the king that when God had moved on his heart, that he went to the king and said, King, can I go home and rebuild? Not only did the king say, only the king said, how long are you going to be gone? How many times you went to your job and tried to get a day off, <laughs> unscheduled? He said, well, how long are you going to be gone? What you need, man? He said, man, I need timber from this part of your, 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 your kingdom. I need a silver from this. He said, he, so the king just wrote a letter and said, here, take this and show it anywhere you got to go. Get what you got. See you when you get back. That's God. Okay? He, see, he was, he, Nehemiah had made the change. He had served the living God, and so the living God used him to make a change. Amen? But now he's rebuilding and restoring, and he's got these haters. Let's go down to verse 19. No, 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 we ain't finished. It, it, the servant, the Amorite, heard of it. They heard he was doing this. It grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. So when you start seeking the welfare of God's people, it's going to make some people upset. When you say, I'm going to change my family for the better, some people are going to be upset because they might have had the same opportunity, but they were like the young ruler who refused to change. And now they see something in you. You're going to change? Uh-uh. Let's go to 19. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant the Ammonite, Am Ammonite and Gershom the Arabian, heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing that ye do? Will you rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we, his servants, will arise and build, but ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. He said, we're going to do what he says. You can hate all you want to. We're moving forward. You're going to have to Cut Sam Ballard out of your life. Because he's going to be like this all the time. All the time. You, no. He said, you, you're going against your tradition. You remember at the, at the picnic, don't you? At the family reunion? Yo, I ate this. <laughs> Grandmama ate this. Why can't you do that? God, don't worry. All of those conversations. All you have to say is I'm here to make the transformation. God is making a transformation. Never get into an argument. You don't have to get an argument with people. Why you get an argument with people? Give them the plate. Here, you can have it. It was funny, I was thinking about the meat shortage that we're going through now. I'm sorry, what they're going through now. I didn't know about it. They said chicken is five dollars a pound or something now. Whew. Is that high? Oh, y'all act like y'all. Okay, okay. I don't know. 
I made that transformation. Amen? Amen? So when people come at you with the things that they have not gotten the victory on, just keep doing what you're doing so God can give you the victory and maybe make an agent of change for them. You might be that agent of change. Amen. So you got, you got people you, that's going to be in your ear, you got you to gotta let them go. And see, once your change begins to take place and you begin to become the new creature, there will be those who want to stop your progress. Turn over to chapter 6, Nehemiah. They're going to, they Morgan, they're going to try to stop your progress. See, first they're going to talk about you, but then they're going to get active and try to stop you from doing what you're doing. And here we, let, let's see what old Sam Ballard was up to in Nehemiah chapter 6. Verse 1, now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah <laughs> and Gershom and the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left there th through, I'm saying, though at the time I hadn't put the gates up, you know, I had not set the doors upon the gates, that Sanballat and Gershom sent unto me saying, come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the, in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me what? Mischief. And I sent messengers unto them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease? Whilst I leave it and come down to you. Stop arguing with the people. Why am I going to stop my transformation process to come down to you. I'm doing what God asked me to do. I'm not coming back over there and explain for the 15th time what we're doing. If you read the whole chapter, I mean, whole book of Nehemiah, you'll see it was done by the hand of God. He didn't make a great announcement. Matter of fact, he got there and only a few people knew he was there. So when everybody was asleep, what he did, he went around and looked at the city and see what was needed. He didn't, tell, he didn't make a big announcement. He didn't, grab, he didn't grab everybody. See, when you're making a transformation, stop trying to grab somebody to make that transformation with you. Oh, I'm going to get on my phone. I'm going to call my girlfriends. Look here, I'm about, we, I'm about to do this. You want to do this with me? Don't. You don't need to call them. Because what you think is your girlfriend means you mischief. Who you think your partner is? But we boys. Mm -hmm. You boys in sin. Let you stop trying to sin and see how much boys you are. I had some partners, boy, in the 80s. We was tight. But the only thing that, that, that kept us together was sin. When we started walking away from sin, there was nothing to talk about. I'll never forget one day, we were actually standing in a driveway, and it was absolutely nothing to talk about anymore. I'm not doing that. <laughs> and they still doing that. So you just, you know, be well, brother. <laughs> Hadn't seen them in 30 years. We used to run every day together. So when God calls you to change, don't get on the phone and talk to people who are in sin with you. If God calls you to change, Ask him to direct you to a place where change is talked about and actually performed. That's what churches used to be. A man came to me yesterday and said, you know, he was, he was you know, really on the, on the soul man protest. On the phone, he said, well, we, you know, we need to, you know, what's wrong with these, these people? They won't do this. And, and, and see, if the churches would do this. And, and I said, man, because we were talking about health, and he said, uh, we could make a change in the community if we can change the health of the community. Say amen. And we ought to go through the churches to do it. I said, yes. But you're going to run into some leaders who have no temperance and no desire for change. And when you hit that, who do you think they're going to believe? You or the preacher? The preacher makes it easy for them. If he's in disarray, that means he's a man of God. Just like Balaam, you know, he's a man of God. And if he can act like that, then my sin is, is, is okay. 
Help us, Lord. Are you willing to change in order to affect a change? I'm ready for a change. In, in, the, in the darkness around me. And, I, I, and not for me. I want people to have a chance to come into the light of God. But I got to be willing to change before I can expect anybody else to change. I can't expect the police department to stop being what they are if I'm still being what I am. Because I do know this. The one that's in me is greater than the one that's in them. You know, all the videos we see now with the beatdowns that used to not have the videos. You know, when we got thrown up on the hood of the car, there was no Instagram. <laughs> but I know what's in that, but I know what's in God. And I know if God is in me, we can affect a change. If you haven't seen a spirit stand down, you've missed a, a wonderful show. When you see all hell about to break loose and all of a sudden the spirit commands it to stop and everybody just sits down. It's all, everybody's in a fury. Everybody's about to, to burn something. Everybody's, and all of a sudden he says, peace. Y'all gonna get, that's part of the transformation. Y'all get to that. It's gonna be one, it's gonna be marvelous. When all of a sudden you get, you get pulled over, uh, Brother Isaiah, and five police cars pull you over. And God says, peace. <laughs> they come in with a desire to do you no good. To make sure you are on video somewhere. To make sure that your wife is a widow. And then God says, peace. Y'all been there before? Yes. This is what, how you change things. You change with the power of God. But you got to be willing to make that change. You're going to give up the shackles that hinder you from the power. You would think that'd be interesting. I mean, easy for a people of color to say, I want to get out of these shackles. Yeah. You would think. I want to break these chains. Right? Yeah. Or is it, I'm going to buy a chain and wear it on my neck. Moses gave up Egypt, y'all. But it allowed him to free a people. Abraham gave up the security and comfort of home and became the father of many nations. These men sacrificed and became great. Their sacrifice freed them from what was holding them back. What we think is building us up might be the thing that's holding us back. They gave up self and their understanding and traded it in for the wisdom and power of God. Once again, the question this morning, are you willing to change? See, God wants to, to change us into agents of change in our community. He wants to change us in, into conduits of his spirit so that the darkness can be dispelled and the light may renew a people. You believe that? Do you want to be part of that? Let's close with Acts chapter 26. This is what changed people do. I want so badly to change people, to change the environment so people can choose to change. See, they've have, they have no options right now. Right. They've never seen anything else but what they see. Right. There needs to be an alternative standing before them. There needs to be a group of devoted men and women that have opened their hearts to change. It's very powerful, people. All you have to do is right, so right can do in you what it wants to do for others. Seen it. Even with a, 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 a sliver of right, it changes things. And this is the spirit of change now. Let's get with this. Let's strike while the iron is hot. And make the changes in the life, the individual life, the family life. So the community can be changed, so the churches can be changed, so the people at least will know that there is a change available to them. Acts 26 and verse 18. The brother was reciting what Christ told him. In verse 18 it says, To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them 
which are sanctified by faith that is in me. That's, that's what we want for you, for everybody. And that's what everybody who calls on the name of the Lord should, should want. Don't you want to set the captives free? Aren't you tired of being bullied? Aren't you tired of being discriminated against? Aren't you tired of, of, of being uh, brutal, uh, brutalized or, or beat up? Are you, are you tired of, of not being able to get that job that you want? See, what has to happen is that when you are transformed, some things that, 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 that you desire now will no longer be a desire. There's a, in the book of Psalms, it says, would you please stop envying the oppressor? That's the first transforming uh, segment that you'll have to go through. Stop envying the oppressor. Stop wanting what they got and want what God has. Who do you think has the best, the oppressor or God? I want to I live long enough to watch God, what they say, God show out. For him, to say, this is what I give my people. You can have all of that. All of your finance companies, all of your, your banks, you know, all of your, your hospitals and all your medicines. He said, this is my people over here. They need nothing from you. And we're going to limit, we're going to limit you. You can come to us from nine to five. See, that didn't even cross your mind until you start transforming. Transforming. You, we're looking for their nine to five. We're going to get to a point, well, guess what? <laughs> They're going to come to us for the nine to five. Uh, Mr. Isaiah, uh, how you doing, sir? Uh, uh, can, we, can we work for you? Uh, but we're going to treat them with the spirit of Christ. That's different, isn't it? I know it's big. I know it is. But it's real, and it's going to happen if we would believe and get this transformation down. Stop coming to the gunfight with a spoon. Come with a bazooka. Come with a tank called Christ. And we're going to roll this thing, and we're going to make the change. We're going to be the agents of change because we're going to let him change us. And when we get changed, then everything around us will be changed. Will you be changed today? Let's have a word of prayer.